Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Vodka O'Clock. I am your host, Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com. And the show and the website and my work are brought to you by the generous backers at Patreon. You just go to Patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked to become a sponsor of my work. And the Patreon backers get some bonuses and things like a look behind the scenes. They get announcements first. They frequently get the podcast before anybody else. So there are other, you know, cool reasons to become a backer other than just to keep me afloat. And another Patreon friend of mine is here today for the first time. So Sam Dealey is a cartoonist that I met through the Patreon platform. And we're going to talk about his project and what Will Hooligans is about and other things that he's doing. So Sam, welcome. Hi. Hey. <laughs> so that's my it's big long uh, spiel. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think this is actually my my very first podcast. Okay, uh, I'll be gentle. And, uh, sure. <laughs> um, so you you introduced me as a, a cartoonist, um, which is true. Um, but I, I consider myself to be a comedian first. Right. Um, I just haven't done stand up in a long time because of, like the cartooning I, I can get. Uh, you know, I can get my comedy out in front of a really large audience and, and it's available when I'm like, you know, asleep or in the shower. <clears throat> right. So, um, but comedy is, is something that's really important if you're going to be making funny web comics. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So the, I mean, there, there are all kinds of web comics. I mean, people make dramas too. But. Sure. Sure. But I mean, comedy, do you th- I think comedy is harder personally. Uh, than drama? Yes. Well, you know, I uh, the there's an old saying that uh, you know that dying is easy, uh, but comedy that's hard, right? Um, uh, that came from it was an old actor that he, it was reportedly he said this on his deathbed, and I was like, um. But, I, you know, I was thinking about that, and, like, I don't know that that's really so true, you know, like, um, uh, I had this, and I, I hadn't delivered it before, but I had a, you know, I had a, a, a routine that I was considering for stand-up where, you know, I was going to talk about, um, well, I was, I was going to, it was about sex, and I was going to be um, talking about how, like, uh, um, you know, people do various different things, they, they, uh, have uh, um, you know different like role playing kinks and whatnot, and uh, it's pretty common for people to like sort of like baby talk themselves. Um, well, not not while they're having sex usually, it's like, <laughs> but like in their day to day life, like you know. Oh like, sure, like, the, the um, honey bunny and the yeah right, yeah. and they were like, I just like. That to me, like it, it kills the idea of having sex with this person, like totally. Of like, like uh, uh, that, and or, like not being able to like use like adult terms for 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 body parts, like <laughs> you know, like um, you know, if a woman you know was like uh, you know my my. You know, my coochie needs some attention. I'm like, I, I can't. Oh, boy. I, I, you know, like, if you can't, you know, if you can't use an adult term, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I was born without a winky. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, yeah, that sounds like um, some quality gold stuff for, like, sex nerd Sandra. 
Right. Yeah, she's uh, she does a podcast, and she's an, an educator. And, oh, my God, her show, she just – you know, sometimes it's like so serious and like you want to cry. And then there's other times when it's just hysterical with these funny stories about sex. And she does it mm-hmm. all while people are learning, you know. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, so she teaches classes like how to give a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's I kind of feel like that's a that's a class that requires jokes. I. <laughs> right. Can't. Like you can't, you know, otherwise it's just like so clinical. Like, right. like, like, like Ruth Westheimer, like. Right. I, and I, like, like, you know, without the, if, you know, if they're not jokes in the, in the class, like everybody's, you know, everybody taking the class is like sitting in the class, like they, they fold their arms up tight against their body and they're like, you know, just trying not to make any unnecessary sounds or motions, you know. <laughs> Uh, it just takes me back to like high school sex ed. Like, yeah. Oh boy. Um, so if you haven't done stand up in a while, what was uh, what was that life like? How did you get started? Well, I was just say we're talking about comedy being hard, and I, yeah. I wanted to get back to that. And I was just say like that, but that routine, and I again, I I hadn't performed it anywhere, but that that routine ended uh, with me delivering that line that, you know, that there was an, there's an old famous old saying that, that, you know, dying is easy comedy, but comedy is hard. And, uh, you know, to that, I have one thing to say. Goochie, goochie, goo. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so, so how did, um, comedy come into your life? Because, um, I, I watched Mike Birbiglia's sort of like documentary slash stand-up thing that he like well he had a film basically about his life and uh and it just made it look like an like an awful life starting out i mean you're not automatically ray romano right yeah it it takes a bit of effort to get there uh you have to work at it. Like, I mean, it's like everything. Like, you need your your 10,000 hours, which, you know, was not – well, a lot of people credit that idea to um, – uh, I'm trying to blank on the guy's name. He wrote uh, The Tipping Point. Um, but it, it, it's not it's not his idea. It's a – it's um, people who study success have, have said that you know, for a long time, actually, that, like, the more they study success, the more they, you know, the more they realize that, like, anyone that you can pick out, anyone who's famous, who's been doing something, has done it for 10,000 hours before they became famous. <laughs> right. Well, there was that, um, I, I didn't watch it because it seemed like something that would stress me out. So I actually um, kind of, you know, debate with myself whether or not I'm going to watch something or consume a type of media. But there's the documentary, um, uh, was it Jiro Dreams of Sushi? And Mm -hmm. about how it, like the sushi, sushi chefs work on just rice for seven years. Mm. Like, (laughs) that's it. Because they have to, it has to be so, their perfection meets such standards that it's, yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. I'm like, it takes yeah. seven years to learn I, rice. Well, yeah, and I mean, if that's, I don't know how true that is, but I if that's know. the case, I mean, that you know that that certainly gets back to you know Japan having the world's highest suicide rate. <laughs> like, yeah, we we, we well, gee, I wonder why <laughs> the stress of perfection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, and here I thought I could uh, you know open a bag and get rice in 40 minutes. 
looks like people are offing themselves. I don't know why. All we did. Yeah. <laughs> all we did was demand that, you know, they do the most monotonous task in the world for for years at a time with no breaks. <laughs> oh, boy. And um, so that's what, you know, like, that's what is that's my impression of stand-up comedy. <laughs> that's what you go through. Right, yeah. You know, got to go um, to a college where, you yeah. know, it's, you know, you're lucky if they give you a, a hamburger and a place sure. to sleep. Yeah, you got to bomb a lot. Like, yeah, um, Louis C.K., um, uh, there was a memorial service for, for George Carlin, uh, and it was it was filmed – um, I don't know where it was, but in any event, Louis C.K. gave a really um, – it was actually really honest, and it, it – it, you know, there there wasn't much uh, in the way of actual, like, jokes in in his uh, uh, speech at, at Carlin's memorial because uh, Carlin, Carlin was a big inspiration for him, like Carlin is a big inspiration for me, and he said that – like when he was doing stand-up comedy, he he, he had uh, he knew or really early on it's what he wanted to do, and he so he started like right out of high school. He started doing the open mics and uh, and working at it, and uh, um, and uh, it, it uh, he said he worked at it for like 10 years and he couldn't get anywhere. He couldn't get any kind of like measure of, of the kind of success that he wanted. Like he couldn't like, you know, pay his bills with it. And, um, and 10, he said 10 years in, he was really, really struggling. And he was so, um, uh, he was so frustrated. I, I don't remember if he, if he said like hyperbolically that like, he, you know, he wanted to kill himself, but he was, he was kind of like, that's kind of like where the, where the, the talk was edging. And, uh, he said it was at that point that he had, um, uh, seen an interview with George Carlin where, um, the interviewer asked him like, so how do you, how do you come up with all your, your material? And Carlin's response was, well, I just decide to. Um, I know that at the end of the year, I'm going to produce um, uh, a special. And uh, so at the beginning of the year, I throw away all my material from the special from the previous year, and I start working on the new on the new material for the new year for the next special. And Louis said this was like this was um, an epiphany for him. It was. It, he said it was terrifying uh, because he he said he had worked on like the same the same material. He had an hour of material and he'd been working on that one hour of material for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, which is like that's the way you do it in, in open mics. Like you you get some, you get some jokes and you like you try them at the open mic. You see if they work. And, uh, you know, you keep the ones that work and the ones that don't, maybe, you know, you tweak them and try them again, you know, like you try and change them up and see if you can make them work sometimes. But but that's the whole point of the open mic is it's kind of a, a proving ground that allows you to, you know, have a, a place where you can try out your new material. Um, 
And so he had just been, he had been doing that, you know, a little bit at a time. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the problem is that like, um, humor, uh, I guess that's, that's really what's hard about humor. What's hard about humor is you never know ahead of time how people are going to respond to the joke. Uh, and once they've heard the joke, it's no longer funny, right? Like they get their laugh and then it's over, right? Um, you have your running gags, but by and large, like, uh, it, the, the reason why people find something funny, the reason why they laugh is because of the novelty, because like you've not, this is something that you've not heard before, yeah, absolutely. It's you know it's fresh, and that that actually was uh, such a an embarrassing moment, not for me, but I went to a comedy show that was a fundraiser for something, mm-hmm. and I guess the there was like maybe three or four comedians for that mm-hmm. night. I guess they didn't sit in the back and watch each other; they just must have been off in a green room or something. And mm-hmm. um, so one guy did the line and it wasn't even it wasn't even original for the first guy to say that um he got caught on a on a traffic camera speeding and they mailed him a ticket so he mailed them you know <laughs> a photocopy of his money and so you like know. all three of the guys at the open and mic so like, then a, the next guy did the same joke and progressively it's like gave the same joke yeah it's like it's like oh my god it wasn't even funny when the first guy said it because oh. everybody heard it already <laughs> Yeah, but now that becomes a joke about like comedians and how they work. <laughs> like <laughs> cuz like these these you know these three comedians who were like they were so clueless like they did they didn't even it didn't even occur to them to watch the previous show to see if you know the previous guy to see if you know maybe they needed to change their act you know and and there is to you know a hive mind to an extent i mean you know you just can't help that with billions of people on the planet so like like twitter i you know i use twitter so much yeah and that when i see somebody's hilarious observation I'll, you know, I'll be like, okay, retweet. That's a great point, you know, or, oh, that's hysterical, or, oh, you know, if yeah. something's serious, I'll be like, oh, yeah, valid point. And um, and then 12 hours later, I see a different person with, like, I thousands see. of retweets with the exact right. same thing. I'm like, yeah. this is so weird. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's the nature of culture. Not, like, none of us exists in a vacuum, right? right? Like, you know, we talk about, quote, unquote, internet memes, but, but you know, memes – have existed, you know, probably like since, you know, like the earliest cavemen, you know, like the like the cave paintings, you know, like the fact that, you know, I draw the the buffalo there buffalo not buffalo, uh, what is it? The uh the mammoth. I draw the mammoth here and then you draw the mammoth there. That's that's a meme because it was, you know, repeated from one person to the next. Um, and that's like all of culture is that way. Like we only have culture because like we we repeat each other. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like we also we all contribute, you know, um, uh, you know, just because, you know, your contribution doesn't happen to be, you know, super famous doesn't mean that, you know, that you're not adding something into, you know, the, the collective consciousness of of you know, who we are as a people. 
it's really uh, an interesting phenomenon because I find that that happens where all of a sudden there'll be like a huge uproar, buzz, whatever it is of people, usually in the comics industry, you know, talking and complaining about something. And then I'll be like, yeah, I talked about this two years ago and have my mm-hmm. link, my link from from my blog. And, yeah. You know, and it's just like, and I'm nobody and nobody pays attention I, to me. You know, it's <laughs> right. I used to be I used to be uh, a software engineer. Um, I, I, I well, I kind of still am. But I, I, you know, I started doing software engineering in, in 98 and for like for years, like uh, there was this ongoing thing that happened in my career specifically, it happened like six or eight times where I would do a thing and the thing was really hard, but I would do it and it would work. And then like six months or a year later, I would see someone in the community, someone who uh, was better known than me, who had more credentials than me, who had a degree and who was working directly for Adobe saying, this is not simply that, you know, that it's hard or that it's maybe not a great idea. This is literally impossible. It cannot be done. And I had already done it like six months before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, that was that, – that's all, only a small part of, like, why it is that I that I ultimately decided to get out of software engineering. I really – ultimately, I just – I. I wanted to be, you know, more – I want to connect more with people and, and do things that are more, you know, useful. Um, well, it's not your dream, the, and that's, you know, it's yeah. it's not your dream. And that's, you know, if your passion is in making people feel better for, yeah. you know, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever, you know, you, you give yeah. yourself, that's a, an amazing gift. Yeah, um, it it really is. I you know every time that I someone responds to one of my um, uh, one of my comics or or you know anything that I've done, anytime somebody responds to it and 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 says you know I I laughed really hard. Thank you for this. I needed this today. That's that's an incredible boost. I get I get I get the mo- the biggest dopamine <laughs> response. Like yes, it's like oh like, my oh, ego my is God, all better. Yes, ego this is-, is why I do this. Um, so yeah, um, it, it is, it's really good to know that, to know that I'm helping people and I just, not, not just the comedy either. Like, um, my, I, yes, I want to make people laugh and that's like what I spend most of my time working on. Um, but I also, uh, my brand is laughter for a better world. Um, that's how I'm how I'm branding myself. And um, so that what that means is that I, I, yes, I want to, I want to make people laugh because it's great. Cause it's a, you know, it's a great boost. It, you feel better. You feel good. Um, it laughter is amazing. It, it helps you get through your day. It, it makes you more productive. Um, uh, but also, in addition to the laughter, I also want to help, like, raise consciousness. I want to help um, raise, raise awareness for important issues out, you know, in your life, like, you know, losing your keys, but also, like, out there in the world, like, you know, like um, the Black Lives Matter movement and and, uh, and uh, fake news and all of these other things that, you know, like, 
the world is often very, you know, sort of challenging and scary. Um, and, you know, one of my, one of my own personal challenges is that, um, I also tell dick jokes. <laughs> and so, um, you know, people, sometimes people get, um, get, sometimes, uh, people get, uh, upset. They get, uh, offended and they, they say, oh, you can't do that. You can't raise people's consciousness with dick jokes. And I say, not even the tip. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's definitely something that's, that's hard to do because it's, um, you know, as we see how comedy can backfire, like Kathy Griffin yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, there's sometimes there's a fine line, and sometimes it just depends on when and where and who. Because, mm-hmm. like, if Chris Rock cut off the head of Donald Trump, I think people would be laughing. Uh, I I think there were I think there were were uh, uh, a lot of problems with Griffin's delivery with that concept. Yeah, I didn't actually like see the whole whatever it was. I just saw this yeah. one picture. If I don't yeah. know if it was more than one picture, I'm assuming it was more. But yeah, I saw a couple of different pictures. Uh, and it's like and, you know after the a, the things that we've seen. And there was a brief little video where like she. You just see her on the video, and then she raises the head up. <clears throat> okay. Um, you know, like, we've seen comedians do, uh, like, nasty presidential shit. Like, for, like they're not untouchable. Yeah. They haven't been untouchable for a very long time. Sure. I mean, right. Colbert called Trump a uh, Vladimir Putin's cock holster. Yeah. I'm, you know, I just... It's like, and there were people like you know saying like he should be fired for that. Was it because it was a visual thing? Was it because she's a woman? Was like I just couldn't figure out like why well, that was such a bigger deal than other other things that have happened. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean it varies from person to person. You know, like like um, you know people were were really getting on uh, Griffin's case, but but. There was also there was a serious movement of people, you know, like signing a petition to try and get Colbert canceled for for that for that, you know, just verbal yeah. comment. Yeah, I remember that. It was like a cancel Colbert was trending on Twitter. Yeah. But I think I think with I think the issue with Griffin, uh, I think the issue with Griffin has a lot to do with the her delivery of that. I think that um and maybe it was intentional. I, you know, I don't know Griffin, but you know, it, it's conceivable to me that she may have like done done this thing because she just she wanted the shock value so that it would it would um, you know get her more exposure. Um, but I don't know. I you know, w- without knowing her, I I can't tell. But I think I think she could have used a, you know, severed Donald Trump head in a, in a gag, uh, and gotten away with it. Um, but I think the delivery would have had to been a lot different. I think, um, for one, uh, there would have had to been a lot less blood. Um, uh, and for two, like, I think if they had made the head less realistic, like if they had made the head like, uh, really sort of like, uh, exaggerated and cartoony looking. Um, I think I think that you know people wouldn't have have responded the way that they did. 
Um, and I, you know, I guess, you know, coming from the perspective of a, of a cartoonist where like, you know, I'm in the habit of doing that. I'm in the habit of, of, of making things just visually really like silly looking. Um, and it's, you know, you can do things like beheadings that way. And as long as it's like really, as long as it just looks really silly, like people, you know, people don't have that sort of visceral reaction. And how do you feel about the, oh, the children response? Because she was doing something from the point of view as a celebrity comedian. Meanwhile, the, like, average Joe Schmo citizens had these awful effigies of Obama and Hillary for years. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, right. Atrocious. They were not even trying to be funny. They were trying to start some sort of, you know, mob revolution. yeah. And they yeah. owe the children. It's like, do you not realize other people have children, too? I mean, like, you right. know, maybe children shouldn't grow up in a world filled with hate. I I can't remember what it was, but I, you know, but I, I, I remember um, uh, a while ago something happened. I forget exactly what it was. It was something to do with, I think, Black Lives Matter and um, – uh, I was on Twitter and some guy said, you know, we're, said we're 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 headed toward a race war. And, and I like I, you know, I understand that racial tensions are high right now. And I, you know, I think there's good reason for that. But um, like I was trying to explain to him, like, look, I, you know, to say that, like, we're going to start into, like, what amounts to, like, a, a second civil war, yeah, I don't think we're there. <laughs> um, I We have problems, yeah, um, and we're working through them, and working through them is often messy and scary, um, but... You know, the problems that we have are nowhere near like, you know, like the problems that that we have had in the past. The problems that we have today are nowhere near like the problems that we had, you know, during the Jim Crow era. Right. I mean, there are, like you said, these these pockets of moments that happen like the, you know, police violence and um just the general unfairness of, of stuff that goes on. But, but then there are like these very specific moments, like Ferguson really launched something, you know, it really, it's like this particular police violence had been going on for such a long time. So what was it about Ferguson? Like it was mm-hmm. just this linchpin that, uh, you know, propelled an entire new, new movement, new, new civil rights, movement but like you said you know a civil war is a whole nother ball game and yet that's you know when people are afraid that a democrat's going to be elected just like you know like the last time obama was elected they all Mm -hmm. run out and they buy their more guns like there's always a big surge in gun sales when because people are afraid that their guns are going to be taken away so they go and they load up right yeah and it's like what do you think we're saying here like we're saying we're saying reasonable and yet there's people who are saying sandy hook never even happened like i mean there's Mm -hmm. there's a big gap (laughs) in yeah in the consciousness yeah just the one for people on the on the one side saying like oh no sandy hook was faked it was fake news (laughs) uh yeah i don't think so (laughs) uh 
thanks for the conspiracy theories, dude. <laughs> yeah, um, but those wackadoos get talked about. They, mm-hmm. you know, they run yeah, these, well, these they, websites they, right, or they Sean get, Hannity. Right. Well, and they get all they get all this attention now because their ideas are so crazy. You know, it's like, um, you know, um, it, this actually is a lot. It's a lot like um, like you know how how comedy works. Like um, the more outlandish the idea, uh, you usually generally the the more people will react to it. You know, and so like George Carlin again, um, George Carlin, one of my you know, uh, uh, inspirations. Although, you know, I, I criticize him too, cause I think he was too cynical, but, um, Carlin, uh, uh, Carlin used to have this, this, uh, bit where he said, you know, he said, and everything is about children, help the children, save the children. You know what I say? Fuck the children. <laughs> I think I remember and, that. Right. And, and, but the whole the whole point of that was just like that was just an attention getter. That's not where the that's not that's neither where the jo- where the joke really lies. I mean, people laugh, but but um, it's also but that's like the host pro- of a children's show. So it's right, not, yeah, you know, was, he didn't mean that's it not, literally. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, not like as Mister Conductor. On yeah. The, <laughs> because he was yeah. he that was uh, also part of the bit he said you remember God, folks you're talking to i was mr conductor on on thomas the tank engine i know it's like who you know the, this guy with this you know known for this filthy mouth was his kid yeah. co-host it was it was brilliant mm-hmm. um which you know which i love in the fact like as a writer how people assume that you need to use like different publishers or different uh, pen names because they don't want you writing kids for, books on, if for you different also, types of material. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, well, if that's, you, it's just like, why are you kidding? A person is more than one thing. That's, that's like I was saying the, um, the, uh, before with, you know, like one of my issues is, is I, you know, I want to raise people's consciousness, but I also tell dick jokes and, you know, people saying, no, you can't do that. You can't, uh, uh, you can't raise people's consciousness with dick jokes. And I'm like, you just described the Internet. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, like Bob Saget could tell um, dick jokes and he was like everybody's favorite dad. I mean, right. Yeah. But I mean, essentially, the, the, the but that is essentially what the Internet is. It, it on the one hand, is it's this great tool that's that's bringing people information and 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 enlightenment and helping solve problems in the world. And on the other hand, it is chock full of porn. You know, like the but these two things come together. You can't get the one without the other. Um, and aside from which, you know, like, you know, what if the thing that I want to raise people's consciousness about is something about sex, you know, like sex ed stuff, which uh, is critical. I mean, I think, I think it's brilliant that you're talking about it because there's, you know, schools that aren't really allowed to teach the truth about sex or they're only allowed to teach abstinence and Oh, oh yeah, it's just so sad. And yeah, if you can find a way to bring, uh, you know, a spin on that that's not just sterile, you know, that's not yeah. like drab and boring and textbook. You right. Know, you have to, yeah, you have to use the adult word. That's why I love Oh Joy Sex Toy. 
mm-hmm. the webcomic. Right, yeah. Uh, Erica Moen. Erica yeah. Moen um, and Matthew Nolan. And they, they have guests that, that mm-hmm. do, like, spot writing and cartooning for them. It yeah. is such a brilliant, amazing collection because each thing, like, it's like at what point do they not run out of sex to talk about? Like, it's, you know, they're still going after all these years. Oh, God. I, you know. <laughs> and it's incredible. It's so incredible. And it's so well done. You know, I, but uh, just about any just about any subject you can do that with. You know, I mean, uh, seriously, like I, I could do, you know, and people have done like World War Two. Right. And you'd think like, well, you know, it done, was yeah. only it only lasted, you know, the war only lasted, what, uh, six years or so, I think. I don't remember exactly how long, but, it, you know, like, it wasn't all that long, to be honest. Um, but people, you know, like, decades and decades later, people are still publishing new books about World War II. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, oh, my God, there's all this new information. Well, what's it about, World War II? <laughs> yeah, and it's not Your even... shit has come to light, man! Yeah, not even fictional stuff like Avengers and Wonder Woman. Like not even fictional stuff. Like yeah, like and some of it is is pretty amazing. When they there was an article about like um, it was a girl. I think her name was Therese, and uh, she she actually had been like shot or or somehow hurt during one of these bombing things, and so she ended up in in a in an institution. And she just kept drawing the same thing on a chalkboard, like, over and over and over again. Like, it was, like, this horribly sad story. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, like, it was only published, like, last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, who dug this out? Like, how did they? Yeah. And it was all because, like, somebody uh, identified her in an old black and white photograph. So mm-hmm. somebody else decided yeah. to find out who she was and write this you know, big essay about her. Mm-hmm. And it was just remarkable that the research could even be done because, I mean, you know, it's not like the records are the way we have records and right, and yeah. stuff today all over the place. But um, Yeah. Well, yeah, there is always that. There's always, like, with, with history, you always have, like, the, you know, the, the, the guys who are combing back through it, you know, with, like, with an old with an oil lantern and you know like uh, going through the parchments and, yeah or yeah. you know or there's things that are just lost to history because there was no documentation and and you know people have to try and like piece it together uh with you know forensic evidence that's how you know that's how like the majority of anthropology is done it's is uh um is uh through the like the forensic evidence of like bones of people that we dig up out of you know, dig sites wherever. I don't know if it's the majority of anthropology. It's a lot of anthropology is is that, is looking over people's remains. And it really, you know, it's guesswork. But, like, I think, like, life as a whole is guesswork. Like, you know, people were talking recently about um, fake news, right? Sure. Every day we um, hear about the fake news. Yeah. And, uh... But a lot of people, you know, I see a lot of people talking about the fake news like, like, oh, my God, this this fake news is killing us. When where did this come from? Where did this come from? 
<laughs> like, have you have you just not been around? Like, have you not been alive to see, like, in the 1940s, like... Newspapers that battled each other, I mean... Well, right, in the, in the 1940s, there were, there were um, scientists publishing articles saying that, that, you know, smoking cures lung disease, and, and you know, that would get, like, a, you know, a, a byline in the, in the local newspaper, like, yeah, smoking, great for your health. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, and we still do that today, like, every week, coffee's good for you, coffee's bad for you, coffee's good for you, coffee's bad for mm-hmm. you. And I'm like, yeah. just stop talking, or stop talking about coffee and chocolate already, because I'm just going to yeah. consume both, I don't care. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's where That's where I'm at. Uh, so what yeah. brings you joy, though? Because you ha- you do have this incredible positive, you know, outlook and, you know, you're, I don't know, you're just, you, ha- you have a resonance where you want to, you want to do good things with, you know, for the world through laughter. So what, what are some of these things that make you happy or make you find that laughter? Oh, well, thank you. Um uh, that's a that's a great compliment. I really appreciate that. Um, I I don't know if I could say that there's this, you know a specific thing that 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 brings me joy or that makes me want to be that way. Um, I I'm aut- well I'm autistic for let's start with that. So I have a lot of like social anxiety. Um, and I know that like it doesn't you can't hear it in my voice right at this moment because I'm actually in a really good mood. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, but I like, you know, I would joke about like I, you know, uh, so I would like go to parties and and uh, and, uh, you know, and and get it out of the way. I would say something really horrible, like right up front and really loud, like Hitler had some good ideas. Oh, my so God. That, so that I could spend the rest of the party just sort of curled up in the fetal position in the corner like I knew I would. <laughs> so you just set yourself up to be lonely? Aww. <laughs> no, I it's a, it's a joke. It's yeah. I don't I'm not really that bad. But, you know, it's like I am autistic and so, you know, I like I I got to do something with that, right? You know, of course it's you material. Do. Yeah, it's like the, you know, I've seen deaf comedians um, you know, they work, they have to work that into their material. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I'm autistic. I'm also, you know, now diabetic. I was diagnosed with that a, couple, a few years ago. And, uh, what really got me off my ass about being, being serious about the comedy and, and, uh, and, uh, working at like making this, how I earn my living, um, was that uh back at the end of 2015 I had a uh a melanoma a cancer uh, on my a skin cancer on my arm diagnosed and um thankfully it was it was stage 1A it was the best case scenario for a cancer it could be removed with a simple surgery uh, there was no chemo no radiation therapy and there you know there's no evidence that that you know I that I really need to worry about it um, so, you know, like, yes, I kicked cancer's ass, but also, you know, as, as cancers go, this was like, this was like the, the intern entry level monster of cancers. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's something to that. <laughs> um, uh, it's but okay. the thing, 
But the thing about, you know, like, you know, facing down, like, the, the, the tiny cancer troll uh, is that it, it was a wake-up call for me that said, you know, hey, like, you, you do not have infinite amounts of time. You know, like, that one, one way or another, eventually, you're going to die. So you need to do this thing while you're alive. Be happy. You know, get at it. Um, and so I guess, I guess that's the answer to your question. It, like, what, you know, what brings me joy is that, like, I'm here. I'm alive. You know, why shouldn't I be joyful? Why shouldn't I be, you know, working on making things better? You know, I guess a lot of people get cynical and then, you know, they think like, you know, oh, well, the world, you know, the world is just going to go in a crap. But if you, if you really analyze things, if you really dig deep, and you really analyze the world, it, problematic though it is, it has gotten consistently better for thousands and thousands of years. (laughs) And, you know, to think like, you know, oh, well, but but that's all going to change now that Trump is in office. (laughs) But, you know, this is is an amazing point that you bring up because – uh, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that I never had kids was because I felt like, uh, you know, I, and I, can, I was thinking this way 20 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, was that I thought that the world was a terrible place mm-hmm. and why on earth bring kids into this. And then, yeah. you know, other people counter that with, well, maybe your kid could be the one to fix it. And I'm like, or my kid could grow up to be an asshole. I mean, like... That's- True. Yeah. You know, like it's just one of those things where I'm like, there's, there's just so much pressure that we always leave to the next ones. Sure. Well, that, yeah, but that that gets you into into psychology, which is psychology is fantastic. Um, Psychology is is uh, one of the best things that that human beings have ever created, and admittedly. Uh, as with everything else, the psycho, the, uh, the the mental health community has made a shit ton of mistakes. Um, oh, absolutely! Uh, but some of them are hilarious. But some yeah, of them are well, not. That's true. Some, but, but some of them uh, are some of them are tragic, and others you know, are hilarious. Well, yeah. and and I actually plan to make a lot of mistakes. Um, I don't not. It's not like I'm not planning to make specific mistakes. Like, I don't, you know, like, say, like, tomorrow I am going to stick my dick in a light socket. Um, but <laughs> but I, I plan to make a lot of mistakes because, I, because I, I plan to, you know, experiment with a lot of different ideas and things and, you know, in the process of trying to get to my success. Um, and inevitably, when you experiment with things, you have – you ha- – you – you make mistakes because, you know, progress, whether it's the world or whether it's, you know, an individual, your struggle and your work, progress is always messy. It always involves experimentation. It always involves, let's try this. Oh, that went really badly. Let's try something else. Um, yeah, but I love I love it when, you know, it was my wife's in a bad mood, so she's going to go to the doctor and mm-hmm. get a vibrator worked on her for a while and then she'll come back in a better mood <laughs> oh yeah yeah right when they back when like any like any time a woman complained about anything the answer was the vibrator hysteria. yeah and, and the cure for hysteria was well you know you need a professionally given hand job from a doctor <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, uh, it's like, <laughs> like I said, some of the stuff is great. And now it's coming back, you know? It's, yeah. It's an interesting time where it's like, oh, my God, we can't talk about these things. But it's like, but my doctor was saying <laughs> that yeah. cramps, that, they, you know, I might be able to help my cramps if. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, that's again, that's in the, you know, fake news category. It, well, you know, I don't I don't doubt that uh, I don't doubt that orgasms do help cramps. It's just, you know, having your doctor do it for you is a little weird. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, and but the, but these are the these are the golden like trivia that you know comedians get get to use. But you yeah. you also have uh, a love of pop culture, clearly. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. know, not only do you have like real historical and current events trivia to, sure. to work with, but you have things like Star Trek and Marvel and. Um, you know, nerdy stuff. Dungeons well, and yeah. Dragons, I'm sure, and you know. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's a part of the you know, like I said, like um, you know, part of my challenge, my personal challenge is I, that I tell dick jokes, um, and uh, it, you know, it's I guess it's you know, sort of the same way with with other things too. That like um, my web comic, you know, I've done I've done web comics. Uh, about um, I did one for Charlie Hebdo. Uh, I did, I've done uh, comics that touch on uh, racism and the Black Lives Matter movement. I did one for Black History Month in 2016. Turned out to be one of my most popular works for the year, actually. Uh, and then later in the year, I did another one that also turned out to be one of my most popular ones, where uh, I included uh, the ghost of Trayvon Martin in a story. Um, but in like when I, uh, I but then I also have like I have these big long uh, comic strips that are just about how like uh, uh, you know now that Disney owns uh, Star Wars, Star Wars has become Scooby Doo, you know like <laughs> right. <laughs> That, so, you know, the, so there's some the, balance the in there. No, right. Yeah, so it's not like, you know, not like every time that I'm joking about things, I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not always joking about, about things that are big and, and scary, like, you know, like, like racism. Um, uh, but I think, you know, I think sometimes people, you know, people just kind of get it in their head that, that these two things don't go together, right? Like, like you can't do you can't do silly camp and address racism. Like, I even I don't think that's true. I think I think there's a long history of comedians doing this. I think Absolutely. I think John like, Stewart, like you said, I think John Lu- Stewart, Louis C.K. does it all the time. Sometimes he'll he'll talk for 15 minutes about abortion. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> right. Know. Yeah, there's, John there's Stewart did it. Um, uh, Larry Wilmore is also one of one of my uh, favorite guys. Uh, I, I loved the Nightly Show for the brief period that it was on. It was fantastic, and I wish they hadn't canceled it. Um, and the, but the like the Daily Show and the Nightly Show between John Stewart and and Larry Wilmore, I think, really are like a lot of like what I'm trying to do. You know, like because Larry Wilmore did, you know, he he talked a lot about about, um, you know, the the problems of entrenched racism. But then, you know, he also had a bit on the show called uh, Dick Jokes Matter, you know, so. 
It's, you know, there's a fine line. Some things are going to land and some things mm-hmm. are not. Yeah. And, you know, and. Yeah, experimentation. If you have that, one of those terrible moments, like Kathy Griffin apologized, okay? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, right. whether she really needed to or not, I don't know. A lot of people, I guess, like, even people that I truly go to for social consciousness were saying it was over the top. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, if you say so. Like, to me, I was just like, oh, whatever. It's, you know, it didn't. Right. It, it was one of those things where it didn't bother me one bit, um, mostly because I hate the man so much. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, 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 well, I, it's just I don't know. Oh, I'm I'm having a hard time vocalizing it. It's it, there is a balance, like you said. There's there's some way where you can't. I think it's denying of yourself and who you are if you can only be the funny person or if you can only be the the romantic person, you know, if you can like comedians, like, could you imagine if Tom Hanks was, was only allowed to do goofball comedy? Like, right. Yeah. Could you imagine what we would have lost if we hadn't had opportunity? Right. And you know, yeah. Philadelphia and you know, everything else. It's sure. Yeah. uh, Yeah. He's done a lot. He's done a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. He's a he's got a lot of great range. And, um, then, and then it's even more wonderful when you find out that the person is like socially conscious and aware. Like Chris Evans is kicking right, ass yeah. on Twitter. Uh, Chris Evans is like a freaking true hero out there. Yeah. <laughs> so but you were talking about that. You were talking about like you know like people being pigeonholed. Like um, you know it happened with Jim Carrey too. Like that because Jim Carrey had become. Uh, popular for doing like the Ace Ventura type, uh, you know, really like over the top silly comedy characters. And then, you know, um, and then he did like a drama movie and there were a lot, a lot of people were saying like, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, <laughs> but yeah, they had to, you have to accept it. Like the person's he's an a, actor, they're doing their he, job. Right. He is a person uh, you know, just because he did one thing before doesn't mean he can't do another thing after. You know, the like, only the only thing that I can't accept is I can't accept <laughs> Orlando Bloom without long platinum hair. Mm. You know. Oh, the the <laughs> the, the uh, he needs yeah, to be Legolas, Legolas. In, in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, I was searching for the name. Yeah, it's, it's he does it's totally he does. threw me off seeing his hair for the first time. I'm like, he does. no, no, uh-uh. he does. He, he looks a lot better actually with the with the sort of like Swedish wig. <laughs> yeah, really. Because <laughs> what was after that? It wasn't 300. It was like the um, the Helen of Troy story, and and I was just like, oh, this is just not the same. Yeah. Well, he also did. Um, you know, remember he was also a main character in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah, which was which was odd because I'm like yeah. I'm like okay, you're sexy in the outfit, but you're kind of a pansy. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not feeling any bravery here. I'm not feeling any heroism here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but you were talking about you were talking about people being being pigeonholed, and I and I it, it reminded me of a a, a thing that uh, you know that happened to, to me on Facebook, and I. I was thinking, 
you know, because like because of my autism and my like my social anxiety, because I have so much social anxiety, it, it's taken me a super long time to get to that point where uh, where I can just sort of accept that trolling happens and like you know and let it go. And I I actually moderate the comments on my comic now, uh, despite the fact that I know that I will get fewer comments. Uh, that way, but I do it because I know uh, I've read you know articles about how like trolling affects the readers. It it and it's really destructive actually. Um, and so as a as a someone as a creator, like a lot of people get hung up on this idea like oh if it's free speech you can't block anyone's free speech. And like fuck you no it free speech does not give other people the right to destroy the the happy good thing that my fans are enjoying yeah that's not how it works like i'm sure dilbert still has fans right like but there is because a lot of people came down uh that upset with um when comic book resources changed their moderating practices um and and i remember it was a big shit storm and it's like Mm -hmm. but you don't understand because if you're not the victim you can't understand what some of these people's lives go through. I mean, mm-hmm. it is literally hours for some of these people who are the target to go through and manage, just manage their their online nemeses in mm-hmm. order so that they can oh, participate mean, with people that they like. Like right, they have yeah. to go through and block and block and mute and you block. Mean, you mean like um, like uh, Liz uh, – uh, Liz? The uh, the black woman from SNL. I'm forgetting her name now. Leslie. Leslie. Yeah, That's, Leslie. I was close. <laughs> Jones, right? Le- yeah, right. Le- Leslie Jones and that that thing after uh, yeah. the Ghostbusters, which and was actually really good. Which you know, it's one of those things where it's like not everybody is a celebrity with mm-hmm. you know. And when it's somebody that's in something like, let's face it, comics is an itty bitty little industry in comparison mm-hmm. to Hollywood, yeah. so. You know, when when it's somebody who's getting dogpiled because, mm-hmm. yeah. of, you know, because, oh, my God, she didn't like a comic book cover. Yeah. It's it, like you're saying, there's there is completely valid care that you need to do for yourself and for right. yeah. the people yeah. that you care about in return. Yeah. Like they don't need to see those shitty comments. And if yeah. people want to be shitty. There are thousands of other places they can do it. There are plenty of places it. that they can go like, to do it somewhere else. And that's else. always yeah. my thing. I'm like, you want to be an asshole? Go ahead, get off my website. But you don't yeah. have to do it on my website. Go, go over to go over to those. There are like forums for people who like the 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 whole point of the forum yeah. is for people to bitch. Like seriously, like, like just go back to Reddit. Like for a while yeah. there, I had the Reddit trolls, and I'm like, yeah, just go back to Reddit. Like, why are you coming onto my you know site in order to make sure that I see your words? It's like, mm-hmm. do you really think I'm going to sit by and, and take it? No, right. it's just ridiculous. I yeah. used to, it used to be worse on YouTube, and now it's like I hardly ever do anything on YouTube anymore because it was just ludicrous. Yeah, but yeah. getting back to getting back to the like the pigeonholing thing, I was I was I had this thing on on uh, on Facebook where like I had done this comic. It was Trump and. Um, it was a mashup of, of Trump and an old Star Trek uh, Next Generation episode, uh, the uh, the Four Lights episode. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, no, but I see all the memes about it. 
<laughs> sure. It, it is actually a really good episode, and it's a, it's a two part episode. It's it, it the second. It's the second part of that episode that that has the four light stuff in it, and it's a reference to the book 1984. Um, I mean the the. That in the episode was a reference, was a reference, an homage to 1984, and the uh, the episode largely deals with the subject of torture. Um, but it's a really well done uh, episode of Star Trek, and that it, they really get into like the the psychology of torture um, and and how it works. And um, so I had done this mashup of uh, where Trump is is the the uh, is the the Cardassian who was torturing Picard, and instead of Picard, it's Uncle Sam. Okay, and it's and true. So, it's you know, right. it's, it's, it's a comic strip, but it's true. Yeah, and so you know, I got I got a variety of opinions about that. You know, I got a lot of people. A lot of people really loved it. It ended up being the most popular thing I had ever posted on Facebook, specifically. Um, because I, I, I suck at Facebook. Apparently I'm killing it at Twitter, but I, I'm useless on Facebook. But I had posted this on Facebook and it was doing really, really well. And this one guy, uh, who is another comic artist who's been around for a while and he saw it and he, and I had, I had written like a one brief little paragraph underneath it just saying, I said, you know, like, hey, you know, uh, Trump said he wanted to bring back torture, and so far he's just torturing America. Um, and I was kind of joking around, but I wasn't really – I wasn't saying anything about the comic. I was I was also sort of expressing my opinions about the whole Trump phenomenon. But it was real brief. This other, du- other comic dude uh, who – he saw it and felt compelled to comment uh, on it. Like, if you don't – if you don't, if it's something that you don't recognize, it's like a reference that you don't recognize, you know, you should just move on, right? Like, you don't have to stop and comment on something just because it's in front of your face, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, if I'm walking down the street and I see somebody wearing a really stupid T-shirt, I don't stop to confront them. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great point. Um, but... He he stopped and he and he left this comment and the comment that he made he made was he said he said um, he, he said uh, well it's not a very good uh, ca- uh, cartoon if you have to explain the joke and I said well why would you think that I had explained the joke because uh, I kind of figured like he must have like read the commentary that I gave and the commentary didn't actually. If he had actually read the commentary, it would he you know it didn't actually say anything about the strip, um, and it was only a paragraph long. So like, how long does it take you to read that? <laughs> you know, one brief little paragraph. It's like two sentences. Yeah. And uh, and I said I said you know well why you know why would you think think that I was explaining the joke and he and he he responded back and he said well because you wrote a giant expose with it. And we're like, okay, for starters, now, you know, this, you know, two sentences is a giant expose. Like, how short is your attention span? Yeah, really. Like, if if your attention span is limited to 140 <laughs> characters, you um, have a problem. Yeah. And 
but then, you know, but then, but then, you know, I had to give it to him, like, that, you know, he kind of had a point that, you know, as long as I'm a comedian, you know, I should only ever talk about jokes, right? You know, like, because, like, you know, when I go to my doctor, my doctor can't talk about anything that's not, that's not health, you know, medical, medicine or health related, healthcare related, you know. Like, I came into my doctor and I said, you know, hey, I saw the cutest puppy outside. And the doctor's like, you know, dog bites are really dangerous and often you have to get a, uh, a rabies shot after one. Well, I think the doctors, first of all, they don't care because they bill you anyway. <laughs> um, but they're, yeah, they're, they're also like seeing people every 15 minutes. Like, they're, well, you know, it's like, if you were getting a new audience every 15 minutes, imagine how, I don't, just how you stay sane. I don't know. Um, well, no, I. It's like speed dating your yeah. audience. Well, yeah, I, I know some doctors do that. Actually, my doctor doesn't really do that. My doctor's actually really personable. Um, the one that I have here now, I mean, I've had previous doctors that were like that, that were like, in, out, in, out. Um but uh, yeah, no. But the but the idea was like the joke was like right like as you know you, as soon as you Pick choose a career like yeah. you have to like excise all the rest of the parts of your brain that handle other things. <laughs> but that, I know, and that's so ludicrous. I mean, like, maybe because things like you know entertainment are other forms of expression. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, my character, my main character in my book is a massage therapist because I was a massage therapist. So it's, you know, it's like, it's some, a little bit of a world that I know, you know, right, like yeah. I'm not writing about lawyers cause I yeah. wouldn't, it would come out ridiculous. Right. <laughs> Although right, right. What you know is, is like the, the, the traditional advice for, for, uh, uh, for writers and uh it's i mean it's one thing to like include things that that you have experience with right it's one thing to you know like i was a software engineer i could talk about like what it's like to be a software engineer like like what you know what your day looks like um it's 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 Super boring. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I but, used um, to be in that too. I mean, that's why I used to find Dilbert hilarious until I got to, you know, see what a lunatic the creator was. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I think that writers tend to. Uh, uh, I think this ends up actually being bad advice for a lot of writers, though, because like it. And I saw a quote someone else said, like, this is the reason, you know, uh, write what you know is the reason why we have thousands and thousands of shitty novels about about um, about uh, college uh, English professors having affairs with their students. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's true. I'm not saying don't learn something and don't do research, but, yeah. You know, it's it's one thing to include things that you know in a story, but yeah, you you kind of have to like if you want to really, I got to do plenty of want to entertain people. You kind of have to, you kind of have to move beyond like the real world. Seriously, like in in any medium, like whether it's photography or painting or whatever or whatever it is, you kind of have to move beyond uh, the real world in order to entertain people. Um, and I, you know, I, I've 
seen people make the opposite argument. I've seen people make the argument that, oh, everything has to be super realistic. No, people don't want that. If you give them that, they will ignore you. Why? Because they see super realism every day. Yeah. It's right in front of their fucking face all the time. I mean, even like, you know, even the TV shows that seem like, you know, they, you know, they all have like police consultants and stuff. They're still doing, they're still solving crimes in, you know, TV time is an hour and it's only supposed to be right, a week. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be like a week has passed and they've caught the serial killer. It's like, right. You know, come on. It's Yeah, well, right. There's there's gaps. There's, uh, you know, there's areas where like the the where um, there were like, well, uh, we need to move the story along. And the law says this, but it, that doesn't really help the story. So we're going to say that the law says some other thing. Yeah, and I mean, like ludicrous speculative fiction with vampires and superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. it, it, there's a reason that you play in the world of right, the fantastic. Right. Because, because if everybody adhered to write what you know, we would never have had Superman or yeah, or uh, exactly. And and you just you you take those realism qualities and you you know give the characters humanity. You know, right, like, yeah. you know, X-Men was brilliant at it. Some Superman stories are brilliant at it. It's interesting because, like, Spider-Man really was how how comics started doing that. Yeah, um, well, because, like, uh, was it in Spider-Man about drug use? Like, they started... Spider-Man? Oh, I can't remember if it was Spider-Man or an X-Men or... I don't, like, during the comics code time, you know. Mm. It was... But I think it was through Marvel, anyway, where it was like they started doing it. Sure. They started getting so real. Sure. Um, well, right. Mar- but Marvel, Marvel started uh, started this whole idea of making the the uh, making the characters more human and relatable, um, and that started with Spider Man. At, at the time, prior to Spider Man, like with Superman and all the other other all the other uh, popular characters at the time, that the common uh, the the popular thinking about the superhero genre in the early days, in the what they call, I guess, the golden age uh, of of superhero comics, was that um, the heroes had to be uh, the heroes had to be like larger than life and like not have any. Re- they can't have any real problems. Like every problem has to be easily solved. So it's like you know, like oh hey, like you know, there's a there's a bank robbery and like I just bust through the wall and beat up the robbers and I'm gone and like it can never deviate from this formula, right? But then you run into the same problem that you do with um, well. In part, you run into the same problem that you do with comedy. Everything has to be fresh. You always have to have, like, a new look on it uh, because otherwise everybody's going to get bored. If they've seen the story a thousand times, they want to see a new take on it. Um, and that's when um, uh, uh, Stan Lee uh, came to his partner. Um, he, they, they were not – famous at all at the time. Uh, he came to his partner, uh, the early, I don't know if it was Kirby or who, but he came to his partner. Uh, you know, the two of them were, were hit Marvel. They had just, they sort of just started up Marvel, uh, had been working at it for a little bit and, and, you know, uh, sort of in the early days of just kind of getting traction with their work. And he came to him and he said, I have this idea for this uh, superhero who he he has the powers of a spider 
so you can like cling to walls and and whatnot, and uh, and his home life is a mess. Like he 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 lives with his aunt May, and he has to take care of her, and she's elderly, and and uh, he's still got to deal with like school and dating, and and so he's got all these he's got all these these uh, problems. Uh, on, over and above, beyond like just you know beating up the bad guys, and his partner again, I don't remember who it was, said that is a terrible idea. Oh no! One of the greatest characters ever. He said. He said. First of all, spiders scare people, and nobody's going to want to read a story about a guy who's a spider. And secondly. <laughs> Heroes are supposed to be are supposed to be above all these petty little problems like having to deal with real life shit. <laughs> so so you so we shouldn't do that. And he sort of like the conversation ended there. And Stan Lee, uh, to his credit, um, it's you know it's it's like the epiphany. It's that moment where where you do you know you have that day where where. You do just the right thing, and you never know on the day when you're doing it that it that that this is what's happening. But he felt just compelled to make that first Spider-Man comic. Like I have to do this, I have to, and so he he made it and he printed it, and it went out. And like the next thing they knew, they had sold out, and everybody was complaining that they couldn't get their hands on. That's amazing. I never heard this this part of the story before. All right, Sam, so this has been amazing and fun and wonderful, and we've talked about important issues, and we've talked about how to try to be funny and try to be positive in dark and stressful times. Yes. Um, so how can people follow you and learn more about you and support your work? Uh, I have a website, uh, com. It's woohoo, L-I-G-A-N, so W-O-O-H-O-O on the front, um, .com. And uh, I know it's like people misspell it all the time. It's a horrible domain. But once you get there, it'll be great. (laughs) Um, And on that site, I have like all of my links to Facebook and and Twitter. I'm fairly active on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm also fairly active on DeviantArt. Uh, On DeviantArt, I actually am Woohooligan. And there's a Woohooligan fan page on Facebook at Woohooligan, Facebook.com slash Woohooligan. And um and uh also recently on uh if you go to Woohooligancomics.tumblr.com, uh over there on the Tumblr I've recently started um giving reviews for other other comic creators just as a way of helping out in the comics community. I'm a comics nerd. I'm creating my own. I know how hard it is to get people to to give you reviews and talk about your work and help, you know, help you get exposure. And so I'm I'm just taking some of my time to help you guys get some exposure too. That's great. And are you specifically um uh sticking with web comics? Or okay, or are you doing yeah. Well, or? so far, okay. I'm I'm viewing web comics so far. I I may at some point review uh, physical comics, but at this moment, I'm just I'm just focusing on web comics. Okay, that's great because there's so many out there that it's impossible to cover. Just you know the amount. Yeah. And it's and it's it's an interesting kind of uh, it's an interesting area to be in because. Um, 
uh, for one, like because of the like the low low barrier to entry to getting into doing comics, uh, the majority of web comics are sort of like abandoned early on. Like they start, they get like you know, there's like thirty pages, and then they stop. Right. Um, and uh, um, so it's hard to identify like the ones where the, you know, the person making it is really committed where it's really, you know, their passion. Like I've been doing mine since 2006. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm a little over a year, uh, over a little over a decade now, 10 years. And, uh, so obviously I'm sticking around, but it's, you know, it's hard to know when a comic is new, it's hard to know if, you know, if this is really a passion for them, if they're really going to keep, keep going. Um, and so one of the things on on my reviews, I I'm, I limit my reviews to only web comics that are at least a hundred pages, so that I know that that it has a little bit of bulk to it. That you know, there's a reason for me making this review. Okay. <laughs> you know? Like it, you know, if it, if it does, if they do like fifteen pages and then give up, why did I review it? <laughs> right. Okay, that's um, great to know. So, um, uh, yeah, and that and. That and and the other thing is though that like you know e- but even for those of us who have been making making comics for a really long time, because of I think probably in part because of that issue with like so many of them being abandoned, a lot of people just don't want to write reviews for web comics. Web comic reviewer sites get abandoned the same way, and uh, like it's really hard even you know to even get reviewed on like on the the, the larger web. Uh, comic related sites even if they have reviews even if they've done webcomic reviews it's hard to get them to review you i think in part because in a, a, a lot of times they're like unless i've heard your name already i'm not convinced that you're serious yeah <laughs> yeah comics um it's hard too it's like because i've even seen that with my friends who do indie print comics they you know it's like they'll they get enough, they have enough money to invest in, you know, like maybe two or three issues because of the expense. And then it's like, oh, we're going to get a publisher. Oh, it didn't work out. Oh, you know, oh, so-and-so got a full-time job. And, you know, so much life happens. Yeah, something else changed. So they got laid off and, you know, they can't work the, the time to make it. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot that's uh, behind the scenes in the comics world, um, get, you know, illnesses and stuff like that that you, you know you see crowdfunded. It's like it gets really tragic, you know. Like you right, were saying, yeah. the life of a stand-up yeah. comedian can be really tragic sometimes. Yeah, well, you know, we we got to stick together and look out for one another, and so you know that's why I'm doing the reviews. Great. Well, um, so make sure that you go and check out uh, Sam's work. Check out the Patreon, which is also Wahooligan. Um, right? It's not Wahooligan Comics, right? Um, cool. Yeah, uh, the Patreon is also Wahooligan. Okay. There's no S uh, okay. on any of them except for um, the Tumblr because I had to get Wahooligan Comics is plural. Okay. Uh, the Tumblr's plural. None of the others are plural. The 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 only reason that the Tumblr is Wahooligan Comics is because somebody already had Wahooligan. <laughs> what do you know? I know my name is different uh, on every platform, like yeah. every, like every one of them. So well, I I know the pain. On Tumblr, it was somebody. Uh, it was somebody who was uh, just sort of um, hobbying about um, 
about uh, The Sims, the video game. Okay. Uh, like, so it wasn't anything serious, but, like, I can't, like, you know, ask them, like, hey, can I have your <laughs> – can I have your Tumblr address? And then on, on YouTube, like, on YouTube, there's a guy on YouTube uh, uh, with Wahooligan who – he's got – he's got, last I checked, 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. And he was that way when I first saw him, and at the time – all he was doing was reviews of sneakers in the Filipino shoe market. Wow, that's specific. <laughs> 50,000 people. Like, oh. what are, like, Filipinos must be obsessed with with running shoes. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Well, they, they're probably the ones that make them all, so, you know. Well, yeah, it could be that, too. Like, there's a little... These are our babies. Exactly. <laughs> and so, now they're out there in the world. <laughs> oh boy. Well, that's weird. Oh. But anyway, so those are the those are the great places to find Sam and his work. And Sam, thank you for your time today and yesterday for helping debug our technical issues. Oh, um, thank you. So you guys can uh, follow me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter. Everything else is at amberonmass.com. Don't forget to go to the Patreon, which uh, is patreon.com slash amberonmass, to help, you know, keep my work going. And that's where, you know, like a lot of the people get the behind-the-scenes information on the Pharaoh Weathers mysteries, and higher-end backers have gotten copies of the books or digital copies of the books and things like that. So um, so I really appreciate that help, too. Um and uh, if you're enjoying the cat pictures on Instagram, let me know, because uh, that's mostly what my Instagram's used for. And uh, so other than that, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, is, is Instagram used for anything else? Oh, oh, wait, that's right, food. Ham yeah. sandwiches. <laughs> cocktails. A lot of ham sandwiches. Yeah, cocktails, cats, and, and food. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Like, Jeremy Holt always posts a picture, I think, of a book next to his drink. It's amazing. Mm. He has a beautiful Instagram. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the deal, and that's what's going on. So, Sam, thank you again, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Amber.